So if this is not your first time here, you might notice we have new stained glass windows. Um, they were just installed this week, which we've been working on for a long time. Uh, and it's such a beautiful gift that they came this week. This, this rear window, if you're in the chapel, you can turn around and look. The three windows uh, in the back are of the Transfiguration. And they just happen to be delivered this week, <laughs> the week that we're reading this gospel. Um, there's Jesus in the middle with Elijah on the left and Moses on the right holding the tablets. You'll see next to Moses uh, the burning bush, which is in a way a prefigurement uh, to the transfiguration or to the incarnation of Jesus. The burning bush is burning but not consumed, it says in the book of Exodus. That's how Moses encounters Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, who sends him to go set his people free from slavery in Egypt. Um, This God who is so imminent, so close to us, and yet not competitive to us. It's like this bush that's on fire. It's like illuminated by this fire. But normally fire destroys. When the fire of the Spirit, when the fire of God comes close, he just activates. He only enlightens and makes more perfect what he has inhabited. And so in Jesus we see perfectly in this mysterious event of the Transfiguration that's reported in all three Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, as well as um, the second letter of St. Peter. Peter himself was there, and in one of his letters he talks about, we saw it. He was shining like the sun. You know, this is prior to the resurrection, prior to the crucifixion. Jesus, just in the same humanity that grew up in Nazareth, that walked around healing in Capernaum, went to Jericho and all these places on earth, was baptized in the River Jordan, in his flesh and blood, this divine light was revealed to them on this hill, Mount Tabor. Um, and the reason um, we made this window was partly uh, my own motivation. I've been teaching these last few years, the seminarians who live uh, down by the cathedral, a class on the liturgy. And in it, we read this book called The Wellspring of Worship by Jean Corbon, a a Dominican priest. And in it, he talks about how the transfiguration is like one of the key events that's often not really thought about as like what's happening at the Mass. We often think about Calvary, Good Friday. Jesus is offering his body. This is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you, like on the cross. Also, the resurrection, we see that it's the living sacrifice of Christ. We're participating in his life. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, we call down upon um, the elements of bread and wine, and they become the body and blood of Christ. But this event of the Transfiguration, he says, is also something that's occurring in every Mass, that the sacred body of Christ is illuminated with this divine light. Um, The Feast of the Transfiguration is August 6th. It's over the summer. It's during ordinary time. You're on vacation. It's like not, not as big a deal as Good Friday, Easter Sunday, Pentecost, things like that. Um, But it is very critical to understand what Peter, James, and John saw. They also encountered in the Eucharist after Jesus' resurrection when they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is what continued to happen, is that in the ordinary elements, the human things, God becomes present, and we see him. And why we read this reading every Lent, too, is because... um, Lent is leading up to those mysteries, Good Friday, Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, um, those central mysteries of our faith. And before that all happens, those events in Jerusalem, 
Jesus wants to take his closest friends to the mountain to see this truth before they're scandalized by the opposite, right? The degradation, the humiliation of Christ in his flesh on Good Friday. That they can already have in them, even as they see this thing that could be so discouraging, so dispiriting, that, no, I know that that flesh bore the light of God, even as it's being crucified, spit on, hit, insulted. So it's this same hope that we have mid-Lent as we're leading into the, into the mysteries of, of Christ's humiliation and then exaltation in the resurrection, that already we're, we're tasting that light, that hope. In the transfiguration, Jesus lets himself be seen. He was already always God, but they couldn't see him. They could see the things he was doing. He was healing people, even raising the dead, preaching the kingdom, driving out evil spirits. But they couldn't see that it was still just like, maybe he's like a prophet. Maybe he's like a superhuman. Not God. But in the transfiguration, he opens up what was always hidden from them before. That this unique relationship he has to God the Father. That, in fact, he's come to give them and to give us They they hear the cloud, the the voice from the cloud, the Father saying, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. It's not something that all of a sudden they had some unique insight. It's Jesus chose to show them. Um, Just last week, I was called to the hospital. And as often happens, it was on one of my longer days. And I didn't have a lot of time. And I had to delay something in order to go. But um, I just felt like, okay, this is... This is God calling me, um, and I've learned in enough instances that even though you don't want to do it, just go do it. <laughs> you know, he's calling. Um, I try to, try to find another priest to go, or if it work out some, something else, I can go maybe tomorrow. Or whatever. Okay, this person is dying. They need Jesus. I'm going. And when I got there, um, I encountered this man who had just come out of brain surgery, and... It was evidently an emergency surgery. It didn't, uh, you know, fix the problem. And now he was intubated and they were going to withdraw care and he was going to die pretty soon. Um, And his sisters came, but they were from far away and they hadn't been really with him. Evidently, he'd been alone um, during this whole thing. And no kids, no wife. And so I got there, waited for the sisters to arrive, and then we went in and, and prayed together. And his head was very in bad shape from the surgery. And as I reflected on it later in prayer, it's, it was sort of like the crown of thorns. This, um, yeah, these staples and the aftermath of, of brain surgery. Um, but in any event, in, in the anointing of the sick, there's typically a laying on of hands where you, the priest would lay his hands on the head of the person he's anointing. But when it came to that point, um, just in reverence of the medical stuff, I just put my hands on his shoulders and just, just kind of laid my hands on his shoulders when I could just see his face. I was just so, it was so close. And he was, obviously, all hooked into machines and everything like that. But in that moment, in a mysterious way, in a sacramental way, not literally, but in a real sense, I saw Jesus. I just sensed, I was looking at the face of Jesus. And I was very grateful, very grateful that I went and was able to encounter that moment because I felt very connected to life, to reality, to myself and my own heart, to this present moment, 
and, of course, above all, to, to God, who makes all those things, who creates all those things, who made me and is with me in everything. That somehow, mysteriously, I got, like the, tra- the apostles in the Transfiguration, a glimpse. He just showed himself to me. Um, and, and I think we find that we have these moments. A lot of you are coming off of a retreat. Maybe you had a moment where Jesus showed himself to you. And you're like Peter. You're like, let's build three tents so we can all stay up here on this mountain. I don't want to leave. Because I know I felt that last week. This is where I want to live all the time. I don't want to always be in hospitals, but I want to live here in this state of awareness of the mystery, of the truth of how close he is to me all the time. Um, and I think the key to me is that we find, we see Jesus in the measure that we give ourselves to him. I see him most clearly when I'm loving him. He's invited me to make some concrete choice to love him, to go with him. And we find that he's already there waiting for us. And that's when he shows himself to us. And we might hear that and and say, okay, I got to run off and go do all the things. I got to go love Jesus and then I'll see him. Like it's some some life hack or code we cracked. Um, Or we might, on the opposite side, despair and be like, well, I don't want to always be doing things for Jesus. I just want him to kind of give himself, I want him to show himself to me and not not always have to be doing stuff. Um, But in both of those pitfalls, we're we're thinking about ourselves, what I have to do. Um, And that's the trap. The truth is that you're holy enough right now to give yourself to Jesus. That's why you're here. You came to Mass today, maybe to hear something inspiring, maybe because you just want to sit back and let, let it come to you, but you came here. You're already loving him. So the invitation is just in this moment, give yourself to him and let him, let him show how close he is to you. So you can give yourself to him in this Mass. Leave tomorrow till tomorrow. And you can give yourself to him when you're in class, or when you're on the train, or whatever. Um, but this same body of Jesus that shone on Mount Tabor, that was brilliant like the sun, um, that same body of Jesus that shone with divine light is with you everywhere you go. It's in your heart. It's in the stranger sitting next to you. In your friends. In this community. But above all, in this little host, in the Eucharist, his body is present, shining with divine light. I think we live very often kind of skimming along the surface of reality. Like like when you skip a stone, it's just like, it doesn't sink down. Eventually it'll sink down deep, but but we live kind of just skimming along. I'm always here just so I can get somewhere else. Or if there's any dead space, I'm pulling out my phone and scrolling. Like there's never... It's very hard to just sink into the moment, to sink into the depth of right now, what's going on, what's really real. That's the invitation. Speaking of now, now is the Mass. Now is the Eucharist. This is the most mysterious way Jesus gives himself to us or lets himself be seen by us. It's in the cross and in the Eucharist. These ways that we, it looks like, how could this be God? crucified man, a little piece of bread, a little bit of wine. But this is where he holds nothing back from us. 
He empties himself completely for our sake. And he invites us to hold nothing back from him. He comes to us in these humble ways so that we can have the courage and the confidence to just give him everything. Just lay it down at the cross. Come to this altar and pour out your heart. And you think, "Uh uh-oh, I'm not ready to give him everything. I don't trust him enough yet, so maybe tomorrow I'll let Jesus show himself to me. Or I'll be, I'll be holy enough to, to enter into that kind of communion where we could see each other face to face. As I heard our focus missionary say one time, RTL, reject that lie. <laughs> reject that lie. That lie that I'm not trusting enough, I'm not holy enough, maybe tomorrow, maybe if I work on it. RTL, you have everything you need right now to give yourself completely to him. Even your imperfect trust even your poverty, even your need for sanctification. He doesn't show himself to your holier self. He shows himself to you because he doesn't love your holier self. He loves you. That's why he came. That's why he reveals himself. So give yourself to him now as you actually are in this Mass, in this moment. And give him whatever you have to give him. Whatever is at your disposal right now. And however you are able to give it, give it to him and see how close he is to you.